everyone and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors as I continue this journey that we call life, and I strive to be a better human being, a better version of myself, namely a better believer, a better husband, a better father, and just a better overall individual. Come join me on this journey, guys. And while I'm on the journey, I also want to share with you uh, the things that I learn so that as you continue down your journey, you can also have these tips, tricks, tools, whatever, golden nuggets, whatever you want to call them, uh, that we get to learn from individuals as I have them on for a good conversation. On Saturdays, I have conversations, guys, like today. Uh, today, our guest is Josh Smith from Montana Knife Company. I'll go into that here in a little bit, why uh, he's just such an amazing individual. And of course, on Tuesdays, I do Tinkering Tuesdays. That's either with your mindset or gear is what it's been lately as we're ramping up for tax season, math season. For those of you that don't know what that is, Total Archery Challenge and Mountain Archery Fest. They're all over the nation, guys. Get to your local 3D shoot if you can't get to one of the bigger ones and get out and shoot your bows. If you're not into shooting archery, nothing wrong with that at all. Definitely get outside as much as you can, guys, as much as possible. And that's why I've been doing a lot of gear reviews lately so that you can get your gear in a timely manner, whether you're prepping for hunting season or camping, whatever it may be. Those are the Tinkering Tuesday episodes. If you're listening here on audio only, please go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also here on audio, if you could leave a follow and a review helps more than you know. I really appreciate your guys' support if you get something out of it. Of course, that's what I want for you guys, just that value exchange mindset. And if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, hope you guys enjoy the conversation as well. Leave a comment if you have any questions. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Again, I really appreciate the support and the growth that we've seen on both the audio only and the subscribers on the YouTube channel. Thank you. So with that being said, guys, let's talk about Josh here for a minute. Josh Smith is an amazing individual, <clears throat> excuse me, who knows what he is doing with knives, but not only with knives, he is looking to just take over the outdoors. It's not just about knives for him. He has built a community around him that is outstanding. He's a great father, a great husband. He's got a support system in his wife, Jess, that is just top of the world. It's great to go and see them at their, uh, at their grand opening. I went to go see the new opening of the new shop. And the people that are there, or that were there, and even those that weren't necessarily able to make it, that he has surrounded himself with is just out of this world. He is a great example of you have a vision and people will come. You have a vision and you start working on it. I mean, he's been doing this since he was in his early teens. People will come and surround you, the people that you want to be around you. And that's what I love about Josh. He's going to tell his story here, so I'm not going to get into it too much. But Josh is just an amazing man and just someone that I admire as far as the success that he's continuously had and the people that he has surrounded himself with and the person that he is himself as well. Humble, hardworking, blue collar, just an amazing guy that loves the outdoors, his family, and faith. So without further ado, guys, here is Josh Smith. 
All right, everyone, welcome back to the Red Beard Outdoors podcast. I have an amazing guest here for you guys. You may know Josh Smith. He's kind of made some ripples in social media, in the hunting world, which he said he didn't want to talk about knives and hunting or any of that stuff. Uh, so <laughs> we won't. No, I'm just kidding. We, we're definitely going to dive into those things. I've got a lot of questions here for Josh. I know you guys have asked me a couple things, those that knew that Josh was going to be on the podcast. And uh, it, it was it was a blast being up in Montana for the first time. I think I was a little spoiled. I, I went up there for the first time to your shop. I've never oh, been to Montana cool. before. So uh, now we're looking at properties and uh, we'll be moving to Montana soon. <laughs> <laughs> Get in line. Uh, right. Right. Exactly. No, but uh, so Josh Smith, for those that don't know who Josh is, um, I don't know what rock you're hiding under, but uh, Josh has, he was the youngest person to accomplish uh, Master Smith at the age of 19. And uh, I'll, we'll walk through what that means, but there's only, what, 170 something in the world now. And at the time, there was only like 70 or 80 in the entire world that had been able to accomplish that. So he knows what he's doing. He loves this craft he has ever since he was a kid. Um, and I mean, other than that, Josh, who, who are you? Introduce yourself. I've gone a little, little bit into it, but who are you? Yeah, I mean, you, you covered it in a very nice way, uh, nicer than I would about myself. Um, I'm, <clears throat> as far as who I am, I'm just, I think I'm just kind of a regular guy. Um, I, yeah, I grew up doing excavation. My parents owned an excavation business. Um, um, I, I became a lineman at one point, so I was a journeyman lineman, uh, worked on power lines, uh, a knife maker, uh, a dad husband. I like to hunt. Uh, I like to have fun, probably tell too many, you know, a few inappropriate jokes. Uh, I, I kind of just a regular guy, love, love hunting, love, you know, being outdoors. Um, I've got four kids, uh, you know, they're in four H and sports, you know, I used to coach a lot of their sports teams and stuff when they were younger. I've turned that over to the junior high and high school coaches at this point, but, um, that's kind of why I say like regular guy. I think I'm like a, a lot of us that do a lot of different things or whatever, but, uh, proud to be an American, love my country, you know, support the military, uh, all the things that I guess I just kind of figure person should be. <laughs> exactly. No, it's awesome. Yeah. You, you pretty much define that. I mean, you're, you're a dad, uh, you're a blue collar worker. And now you've taken this passion of yours and turned it into uh, something amazing. And so, just to kind of talk a little bit here about, so we went up to the, to the grand opening. Um, you know, you opened up your new shop, which is amazing. It's such an awesome, I'm jealous of your podcast studio personally. Um, I didn't understand most of the other machines you had in the shop, but it just looks like a great place, uh, that you have built and obviously you envisioned it. Um, and everything was placed very specifically for a purpose. And, and then, uh, you know, my wife, who's not into blades, not really into hunting, she came along and she was blown away by the quality of people that you've surrounded yourself with. Uh, and I don't, I think her growing up experience with hunters was kind of the weekend warrior, um, you know, lots of blood and guts and stuff that she wasn't interested in and going to that event and just sitting down. It was funny cause we sat down with, I want to say it was, it was Greg, um, dead eye Gregory, I think on Instagram oh, is what Gary. 
Gary. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. So Gary, we sat down with Gary, happened to run into him in the line while we were getting dinner uh, before the event started. Just a terrible and guy. Yeah. Just I know, a terrible right? Guy. Hard to be around. <laughs> but like he's, he wasn't, you know, he didn't come off as this smug individual, but he just kind of told his story, melt, uh, melded really well with my wife in that conversation. We sat down with him and then talked the entire time during dinner. And then when you were, you brought him up because he was a, a uh, longtime customer, uh, brought your family out for a hunt, <clears throat> just an amazing individual. And my wife's jaw just dropped. She was like, did I put my foot in my mouth during that conversation? Like she was so at that point, she was so worried about it, but there were so many people in that room that you've surrounded yourself with that have been drawn to your work as well. Um, that it, it blew her away that I think that was the one thing that she won't stop talking about that trip was just yeah. the quality of people that were there. So kudos to you and great job with, with that. No, it's cool that you guys recognize that. And that that's, um, it's the thing I'm most blessed with. And the thing that I'm most appreciative of with this company, I always say my favorite part of running this company is the people I've said it on other podcasts. I've said it just, you know, at shows and, you know, people ask me what your favorite part is and whatnot. And it's, it's always the people. Um, and I'm not sure how I, I got so fortunate with that. I mean, I, I didn't know any of the people that were in that room two years ago, quite frankly. I mean, maybe 10 out of the 200, you know, there, there were a few people I introduced or brought up that, that had been collectors of mine before. Um, you know, a few friends that were there that have kind of been around, but everyone in that room I've met in the last 18 months, really to two years. Um, and if I'm, I'm really not good at a lot of things, but it seems like one thing that I've been pretty good at in my life is like judge of just people and character when I meet them. And, um, I, and I don't know why that is, or I don't know what it is. I just, it, it seems like I can just kind of tell when somebody's a genuine person and I'm attracted to those people. I don't really care. I don't care like how rich they are or how famous or, you, you know, Gary's probably the least famous guy in that room. Uh, you know, he's not a super rich guy. He's just, just a blue collar guy that makes a good living. Um, but he also uh, maybe is the best hunter in that room from a totality of experience of, of, the amount of hunting that he's done in his life uh, back when he was like literally broke and he would just drive up into the mountains after work and just stay for like four days in a row in his off days and sleep on a, in, in a tent and take a bunch of spam with him. Like he's, he's that guy that's like lived it and breathed it. Um, and, but, but to your point, he's a guy that, uh, you know, you could talk to for an hour and you wouldn't get that out of him. It takes a little bit. He would actually be a little bit of a hard podcast guest because you'd have to kind of drag out of him just how cool he is and what he's done, you know, um, because he's so humble and he's so asking you about you instead of telling you about himself. Um, but yeah, that's, that was my favorite part of the weekend as well was just the incredible people that we have in, the, in this industry. Um, do I still have you? Yeah. Yep. I'm here. Okay. You're just freezing up on my screen, but as long as you got the audio, um, yeah. but, uh, to, you know, guys like you, quite frankly, that, that flew up to an event 
like this. Um, you know, you and I don't know each other well. We've met at a couple events. We've been around each other a little bit. Um, but I don't know. There's just something about you, something about Jake, you know, your buddy Jake, that uh, you guys, when I met you down in Utah, I'm pretty sure we were standing right outside of the res registration booth and I'd come out of the like changing room area bathroom. And <laughs> I think that's, I think that's actually where maybe I met you. I, I'm pretty sure that's where I met him. Um, but anyway, it was at that event and, uh, there's just something about certain people that I don't really care how, how big their name is. You just kind of seem to resonate with certain folks, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I, and I love that, you know, and, and I didn't realize how, uh, how recent Montana knife company had, had come about officially, uh, you've, and you've got a really cool story with that as well. You know, the, the, the fact that your mom had the foresight to have you, uh, mark that name with register that name with Montana when you were 19. Um, you know, that's right. amazing foresight. Say that again. Yeah. I said, yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's just amazing foresight that, that she had. And you've just, again, I, I love that you bring that up judge of character. I mean, you really did surround yourself with people that you were in that room. Everyone was dressed, you know, just kind of down to earth, blue collar, but there were people in there. It was literally like the founder of Under Armour Kip, uh, you know, yeah. and, and people like that, that NFL superstars that were in there, um, that weren't, you know, weren't rolling up in a Lamborghini Rolls Royce. They were there because they wanted to support you and what you've done and how you've taken your passion and just flown with it. And it, it's just amazing, amazing to see that. And so, um, and again, you know, I, I appreciate that. I do remember, it's funny that you remember, you meet so many people and yet you remember that you met Jake and I at TAC Utah coming out of the bathroom. Like that, that's, that's so cool. That just speaks again to kind of who you are and, and that you really do enjoy people that it, that it's your passion. Um, so walk us through kind of, for those that are, are new to knives, um, you know, don't know too much about it. What was the process of you becoming a master Smith? Because you think a 19 year old kid, uh, you know, and, and <laughs> I kind of joke about this too. I'm like, you kind of worry about kids that are obsessed with knives. You worry about kids yeah. that are obsessed with knives and kids are obsessed with guns and things like that. Um, it's kind of these taboo days, to think these, that. A yeah. These days you, uh, these days people tend to worry about that. But, uh, back when we were kids, in the eighties and nineties, you ran around with BB guns and, and, you know, an old timer folding knife in your pocket. And that was just what you did. You know, there was no worry whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and that's, you know, nowadays you kind of, a lot of people is, it's a taboo topic. I mean, for, for you to have a kid, like my son, uh, what was it that we went to recently? Um, we went to an event and we had to drive separate cause I had to leave a little bit early. And so my wife took the kids Well, he's sitting there in a seat, kind of leaning forward and there's something poking out of the back of his pants. And my wife's like, what's that? And lifts his shirt up and he's got a little Lego gun that he's built. And he's like, well, dad wasn't coming with us. So I needed to protect us, you know? Right, <laughs> like, yeah. And, and so he, he understands that at such a young age. Right. And that's something that I encourage here in the house. It was just cool to see that. Um, we have to have talks about it and stuff, right. You can't walk around flashing it and stuff, but, but anyway, yeah. 
I think it's cool that you, your parents didn't quash that out of you. They, they supported that and they sent you off to work with people that were building knives so you could learn. So walk, walk the listeners through kind of what you were telling us at the grand opening, uh, the process of becoming a master Smith. Yeah. You know, uh, a long ways away from becoming a master Smith, just in the beginning, you know, I, I, like you say, I was a little league baseball player. Um, and I look back at it now, uh, because I've coached my kids as sports. Um, it, it, it actually is more amazing to me today than I, I, I never really thought about. It. I just guess took it for granted the whole time, but you know, my little league baseball coach, you know, made knives and he started, he was showing knives to parents at practice and I was super interested in them as were my buddies. Uh, so I'm not quite sure how it worked out that he, that he was okay with me coming up, but my, my folks bought me one of his knives for Christmas that year. And then he invited me to a shop to make one. And, you know, so for, for a, a little league baseball coach, you know, parent to invite, uh, you know, a kid up to, to make a knife in his shop is really cool. Cause you know, I, I haven't, personally even done that with the teams that I've coached. Um, but I would also say there probably hasn't been necessarily, uh, a certain kid that like came that was that interested or made me feel like I needed to, but, uh, it's a pretty amazing thing. Um, and I'll probably get back to that later on in the conversation about how important that is. But, uh, I came up, I made a knife, made a couple knives, and then he pretty quickly probably also to try to get rid of me. told me, Hey, if you want to be a knife maker, you got to make knives in your own shop. So went off on my own. Uh, not entirely. I mean, yeah, I had a lawn mowing business and my dad let me start putting, you know, I went and bought a knife grinder, put it in my, my dad's shop, uh, you know, used my dad's drill press and some of his tools and started roughly making knives. And then it started to become a thing. And I started making a mess out of my dad's shop. So Ultimately, he enclosed like a little lean-to, open lean-to. He closed it in for me to work in and kind of kicked me out of his shop. And that <laughs> became my knife shop really through high school. And, uh, you know, I, I would keep going to Rick's house. Rick Dunkerley is who taught me. Uh, I'd go to Rick's house and he would critique the knives I was making. He would help me. Uh, you know, really, the all, only thing that he really did back in those days on those knives was he would buff them polish them at the very end, just buff them up after I had them ground and sanded because a buffer is actually, even for, you know, an adult male, a buffer is actually very dangerous to run. So for a kid, uh, definitely no kids. I wouldn't allow any kid to use a buffer in my shop. Uh, and then he would help me sharpen them, um, and kind of taught me that skill, but he would critique them. I'd go back and try and make a better knife and just kept that process going back and forth over the years. Uh, but he had the foresight when I was 12 to tell me that if, if this was something I really wanted to do, I should join the American bladesmith society, uh, which makes you kind of a, an apprentice maker once you, once you join. And, uh, so I started, you know, I was doing that apprenticeship stuff. And then once you're an apprentice for three years, you're eligible to test for journeyman. Um, I tested for that and passed that when I was 15 and, and I'll kind of run through the process of that. But once I was a journeyman, uh, 
you have to be a journeyman for at least two years before you're allowed to test for master. Uh, and so I wasn't ready after two years. I was in high school. I wasn't making enough knives to improve my skills quick enough to that level. So I was just out of high school. It's part of the reason I probably flunked out of college. I was in college uh, and I, I did my master smith test at 19 and passed that. Uh, to become a journeyman or a master, it's a two-stage process. You have to make a performance blade because let's face it, uh, no matter how pretty the knife is, its first job is it's a tool. So you have to make that knife perform. And so you make a 10-inch blade. Uh, that knife has to be able to chop a one-inch rope in half in one chop, still shave hair. Well, in one chop, and then you have to go on and chop two two-by-fours in half, as many chops as you want without resharpening. And at the end of that, that knife still that has to still be able to shave hair off your arm. So a rope and two two-by-fours and shave. And what that shows in that stage is that one, you can make a knife that's sharp right out of the box. And then number two, that it'll hold an edge pounding through like a board, through knots, all that stuff. And if the blade's too soft, that edge will will deform. If the if the blade's too hard and too thin, uh, it'll chip out. Uh, at that point, you have to take that same blade and you have to bend it 90 degrees in a vise without breaking it. And what that really shows is that you have control over your heat treat and you have the ability to make a blade that's hard, but also tough on the other side. And you have to have this balancing act. Um, and it, what it shows is that you have control and knowledge over the metallurgy and the heat treatment of that steel. Uh, once you've done the performance part, and that has to be done in a master smith shop uh, under his uh, under his direction. Uh, you make the knife in your own shop, but you take it to his shop and you test under him. Uh, and if he has questions about your abilities, he also reserves the right to make you make a knife in front of him or forge a blade if wow. he thinks that somehow you're gaming the system. Uh, once you pass that, you have to go to Atlanta, Georgia and present five knives to a panel of judges. And, and that those five finished knives are just a, a testament to your ability to perform uh, all, all the function of making a knife solidly and have really good fit and finish. So if I hand you a knife, there's no gaps and cracks between handle and guard or tang and the blades are straight and everything looks nice. And at the journeyman level, those knives have to be really, really good. Uh, you're not supposed to have to, uh, achieve perfection, but should be real good. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was the youngest in the world to do that at 15. And then, and then the master Smith test is really the same test, but you have to do it with a Damascus blade. Um, and your five knives you present have to be Damascus and and have to uh, there's one knife uh, in particular. It's called a Quillian dagger that's very difficult to make. It just forces you to have to make something specific, kind of follow a plan. It's also a difficult knife to make. So it's easy. It's easy as a knife maker judging someone else to tell their skill level real quickly with that blade. Um, you know, so uh that and those knives have to i hate to use the word perfect right because every knife i've ever made there's something with it that didn't go right that i wasn't happy with that maybe you can't see um 
so I don't know that there, I know that there's really no perfection in that, but they have to be as close to perfect as possible. And there's really no, no tolerance for, especially something that's somewhat glaring. If you, if you let it get by, you clearly are uh, not being honest with yourself or you don't have the ability to even see that that's a problem. So anyway, it's kind of long-winded, but that's the testing process. I, I will add that the, the term master Smith, though, I've, you know, it's part of our marketing, part of something I've capitalized off of and whatnot. I, I, I hesitate to say that you're really ever, ever like truly a master, especially at 19 years old. Um, you know, at 19, I really look at that as I passed the test. I, I, I performed to the standard they were looking for. Um, but holy shit, I mean, there was so much that I didn't know. I'm, I'm way better knife maker today. And I, and I really hope to be a lot better knife maker when I'm 60 than I am today. So like, I, I really think it shows a level of understanding of making knives and, and really shows that you have the ability to really learn and grow from there. If the best knife you make is your master Smith test set for the rest of your career, you've really failed, you know? So, um, it's a little bit like being a number one draft pick or something when you're 19, like you know, doesn't really mean that you've made it in life just yet, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. You know, and that's cool that you say that there's so many things in life that, um, you know, I, and I know you're not LDS or a Mormon, um, but I, I served a mission and you send these 19 year old boys throughout the world to preach the gospel of Christ. And, there's so much that you learned there, but there's so many people that come back from that. And they're like, those are the best two years of my life. And I'm like, if you don't build on that, then that's sad. If that's the best two years of your life when you're 60 still, like I, you wasted your life, you know? Right. And so I love hearing that from you saying that, you know, you hope to continually progress. And I can say, um, you know, the blades that I've got are just outstanding. Uh, they, you know, I, those that didn't, or haven't seen my review on the, on the Blackfoot and the speed goat that I put through this last year. Um, I abused them. I, I didn't take care of them like you're supposed to. Uh, I didn't like beat them against rocks or anything, but I didn't, you know, clean them or dry them out or anything like that. I let them rust. I let them do what they right. needed to do uh, naturally uh, until they doled out. And it took over five animals before, you know, I'd realized that they were getting a little dull. So I'd say a little bit more than a two by four or a couple two by fours in a rope. You've, you've done an amazing job with your knives. And on top of that, I'm waiting for a, a folder Damascus. Cause I, um, <laughs> I, I was never sold on Damascus steels. Cause all the Damascus steels that I've, I've encountered, they're weak. They're not, they kind of bend or they don't hold an edge very well. So when you were showing us at your shop that you, and talking about how you love Damascus steel and the cool things that you were doing it, you made a, what'd you call it, a cinnamon roll? Is that what yeah, it was called? Yeah, jelly roll. Jelly roll. Yeah. yeah. So that was awesome to see. And and to hear that you love Damascus is kind of, because I always like the way it looks, but I never liked the performance of Damascus steel. So it's cool to hear that to be a master smith, you have to build these durable blades that also look really nice. And, uh, you know, that journey in and of itself, I mean, from what I heard, you could have been a master Smith younger if you had made more knives, which blows me away still to think that you, you were at 15, a journeyman and 
like I look at my 15 year old son, I'm like, I love him to death and he's doing some amazing stuff with coding, but I can't imagine asking him to forge a blade like that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. And that's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's cool. It was, you know, looking back on it is definitely an accomplishment. I, I am probably more proud of like staying on task and chasing a dream. I mean, I have kids that are that age now and it definitely takes a level of dedication. Most, most kids don't have, I, I will say, um, obviously a ton of that credit goes to not just Rick, but some of the other guys as well that I was around in the knife making community that were teaching me. Cause you don't really get that good at anything that young without some real good direction. Cause I, I don't think I was like some savant or anything like that. I, I just, uh, uh, was probably not normal from the standpoint of as, as a hard worker and really dedicated and focused on that one thing. Um, uh, you know, but I had an incredible group of, of, you know, middle-aged guys around me that like took me under their wing and just, and just showed me, you know, how, how to make, make knives. And, and, you know, they were encouraging somewhat, I'd say more than anything, they were really hard on me, uh, which pushed me and at times made me want to quit, uh, cause it didn't feel like you could ever satisfy them, but ultimately they were super good guys and I'm friends with them to this day. Uh, you know, and, and what I was getting at earlier with that coaching thing, it's the same way with the way I got into hunting. Um, you know, my dad didn't hunt, you know, we had an excavation business and my dad worked really hard and whatnot, but like hunting wasn't really his thing. Um, and so just a local guy in town started taking me, you know, like when I was like 12, took me, took me bow hunting. Pardon the brief interruption here, guys. I know this is a great conversation, but I want to give a shout out to the partners and sponsors of the show. Of course, I want you to come and join us over at Redbeard's Fit Crew on Facebook. If you don't have Facebook, shoot me a message, whether it be on Instagram or email me and let me know. I'll get you in on our weekly calls that we have with the Fit Crew. Of course, First Form Outdoors, the First Form Outdoors group over on Facebook. Would love to have you over there. Uh, Would love to give a shout out, of course, to Alpen Fuel, Heather's Choice, Black Ovis, All Indigiscoping, A3 Archery Bowstrings, Cryptech, Kestrel Glassing Systems, Quattro Archery, Stabilizers, Go Ruck, Sheep Feet, Custom Orthotics, Absolute Aid CBD, My Medic, Affect Beard Oil, and of course, the Muleyfeek Bino Harness. Guys, go check out all of those links down below so you can save some money. Get your gear now so that you're not waiting last minute. Make sure you guys have what you need so you can go test it before you get out in the field. Again, check out those links down below, guys. And let's get back to this amazing conversation with Josh and Montana Knife Company. There were like three guys really locally that I I was constantly asking questions about bows. And I remember my first like PSE Thunderflight bow. And there were there was a group of yeah, probably three to five guys that I didn't hunt with all of them, but like I'd shoot with them and I was always pestering them, asking them questions. And, and those guys got me into hunting and actually took me. And the, the point of saying that is those of us that live in communities now that hunt and maybe you're a welder, maybe you're a home builder, whatever. Uh, 
if you have kids these days that are interested in asking you a lot of questions, um, you have no idea what kind of impact you can have on those kids by taking them at 12 years old and doing some hunting with them. Um, you know, I guarantee you nobody that was taking me hunting back then had any idea what I would eventually build in like a hunting knife brand. Right. Um, and where I'd get to hunt, what I get to do. And that, that really was all because somebody was willing to take me hunting. So, uh, I think opportunity is one of the biggest problems for kids these days, especially with where they live. Right. Like I, I was fortunate. My parents had a shop and they had, my dad had an acetylene torch and a welder. So when I wanted to make knives, I needed some instruction, but I had a few things to at least get going. But so many kids nowadays living in apartments or they live in suburbia, you know, in a small home and, you know, their dad works in an office, uh, and they don't have that opportunity. And, um, I think that's unfortunate. And I honestly don't know, this is a way bigger conversation and how we rectify that situation and provide more opportunity. But man, uh, you, you take a kid and you teach them how to weld for two or three weekends in a row. Uh, you never know that, that kid takes off and 30 years later, he's a nuclear power plant welder. Like who knows it's, it's, you know, it's important. Yeah, exactly. And, and I do agree with you there that it's, it's not just like, if you have kids, obviously pay attention to your children, be present, uh, for your children and, and, and expose them to things that maybe even you weren't interested in at that age, or maybe you just didn't have the opportunity to be interested in at that age. And when you see a little spark ignite, help them, you don't have to go all in hundred percent and, and just beat them into the dirt with that one thing, but provide those opportunities, find a good coach for them. If you don't know how to do it, things like that. And I've noticed, so you know, bring up our 15 year old. He's actually just turned 16. Uh, you know, he, I know nothing about coding and I know that that's what the way the world is going with technology and, and man, he, he submitted some project that, uh, out of like two or 3000 submissions in the world, he got like eighth and it was wow. some game that he had to, he had to code and he had me play this game and it was like, you know, some typing game. I don't know the name of it, but, um, you type out your answers to certain questions and it walks you through rooms and things like that. And I'm sitting here like, I'm chewing you out about not having the good enough grades. I need to back off a little bit and provide some more opportunity for something that will be your future because you're passionate about it and you can make money off of it. You can make a career out of it. Let's go for it. And so finding those things is key as a parent, but then also if you don't have kids or you are a coach, just like what you were saying, or you're in a community with children, uh, you know, and they start, start to show interest in certain things, get those parents involved and let them know what the process is and then bring those kids and, and, uh, and encourage that because it, it definitely is. There's a lot of impact that can happen by volunteering to be a coach or volunteering at your local, you know, boy scouts or, uh, young men's organizations at your church, things like that, that can change lives, uh, obviously right. with yours, you know? Um, so I think that's really awesome. That, that's a very, yeah. And point. I think your, your point is really, really well taken, you know, much like my parents with knife making, you know, uh, yeah, my, my parents knew nothing about knife making you know, you, you, you know, nothing about coding. I know nothing about coding. Um, but just because it's not our interest, if it, 
it's one thing to just sit around and play video games all the time, but there's another, there's a whole nother level to that of, of, uh, like with the coding stuff and the computer technologies and stuff that, you know, guys like you and I, you know, I, I, I just trying to figure out how to sign on to a Riverside FM to do a podcast with you. I mean, that's my <laughs> level of expertise on a computer. So when it comes to coding, I have no idea, but, uh, but clearly with the way this world is heading, there's so much stuff in the technology space that kids are into these days that none of us have any idea about. I mean, I remember even when I was graduating high school, there's a couple of guys that were just really good at building websites. And I remember kind of being like, well, that's kind of cool, I guess, but I don't understand the point of it. And, you know, next thing you know, look, look at what the world is. And so uh, to your point, you know, saying like, hey, I don't know anything about that, but I'm going to help that kid. Like if that kid says there's some coding convention, much like the Atlanta Blade Show was for knife making. Hey, there's a convention in Atlanta. And I, you know, I live in Montana. Well, my mom flew to the Atlanta Blade Show with me and, and we were not, and I, I want to point this out. Like we definitely were not wealthy people. You know, this was all, I had to pay for my own trip with my lawn mowing money. Um, you, you know, my mom went down there when I tested for my journeyman. Um, I, I went to knife shows just with those other knife makers, just in the back of their car and, you know take 50 bucks for meals back then and sleep on the floor in the hotel room. Like that's how I did it. But, uh, you don't have to be wealth wealthy to make it happen, but it, I think it's what's more important. I think to your kid is that you're showing support for their, their passion and their dream. When I look back at it, it is pretty amazing. Like this kind of being my idea, my thing I want to do. And the fact that my parents had that, that support. Now they also used it against me. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, they threat, my dad threatened me with, you know, a padlock with my knife shop door of like, Hey, you get caught drinking, you get caught doing drugs. Like you're not going to see your knife shop for six months. Like, and my dad was not a yeller and never heard him. I've still never, ever heard him yell, but he was dead freaking serious. <laughs> and he would have set a timer for six months and it probably would have been six months in a day, <laughs> you know? Yep. So it kept me on the straight and narrow, you know, much like your boy. It's like, hey, you gotta take your computer away. You're not gonna you're not gonna be allowed to do any coding for six months. Well, you know, it could be a good tool as a parent to kind of keep a kid in check too, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's always that fine line, that balance that we have to walk as parents. It's it's not for the faint of heart. It sucks sometimes because you have to remind your kids that they're that you're not their best friend, you're a parent first, and then if they follow those rules, then you can be their friend. You know, it's, it's definitely not always easy. Um, but, but no, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's really cool to, that you can look back and see that now. And then on top of that, let's talk about our spouses just for a minute here, because that's something else that blows me away. And anytime I see you and Jess, I'm just like, that's a power couple right there. Because the fact that when you were like, Hey, I think, you know, you were talking about doing this and that, and she was finally, she was just like, yeah, quit your job, go do it. And you're like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact that she's willing to go in all in on that with you, um, you know, and I, I try and give my wife shout out. She doesn't like to be in the spotlight at all. Um, and, but just talking about how I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing if it wasn't for her, because we have kids, you know, I'd be able to do some of it, 
but the majority of my travel and things like that, I wouldn't be able to do if she wasn't willing to like this weekend, I'm going to elk shape camp in Wisconsin to go help volunteer up there at the camp. And, uh, you know, who's got the kids? Well, she has to arrange with her work that she's going to work from home Thursday and Friday. And then over the weekend, she had some stuff she was wanting to do. And she's, you know, we've organized so that she can have the kids there as well. So it's, it's huge to, again, surrounding yourself with people that want you to be better and also being willing to put those deposits back into their accounts or their cups, uh, to be able to fill them up. So I, you know, what I heard about you and Jess, I kind of already knew a little bit, but the fact that she's so willing to just go all in and support everything, even though she's not a knife maker, she's not all about knives. Uh, but she sees your passion and wants you to succeed. I mean, that I can only imagine that's been key for, for your success as well. Oh yeah. I was a single dad of four kids when I met her. So, I mean, I was, I was making a, a knife a little bit here and there on a weekend, but I mean, I was honestly, I was just kind of in it as far as the family goes. So there was, this was definitely not a a reality that was going to come true. And and then as soon as I kind of told her, like you said, I told her my idea and my, my dream, she was just like, let's do it. You know, and she did like right off the bat it was like, you should quit your job and go back Nick and knives full, full time and make this all happen. And, you know, like you say, I was like, hold on, like I have a good job right now. That would be a little crazy, but the point is that support was there. And then as we got into it more, that support continued and, you know, not, not a lot different than like your wife and you coming up here to my event. Uh, you know, she went with me to that first winter strong event where I met a lot of people that was somewhat of the, uh, you know, I, I guess some of the gas to the fire or to the spark. Um, and you know, much like probably with the podcast, right in the beginning, it's not like there's like lots of money being made from it. And, and it's more of a dream and it's something that you have to build and you need support. And, and by her being willing to come along or like your wife being willing to come along to our event, like who knows who you meet at that event in Montana when you come up and who knows what lead take, you know, goes to the next lead. And, um, that's my attitude with it all along has been, Hey, we're going to go to total archer challenge. Like, I don't know why, I don't know who we're going to meet. I don't know where it's going to go. Um, but something probably all good to come as something there. Right. And that belief in that, that support in that, um, is, is huge for sure. And sometimes it's very, very direct support with, the actual business, maybe for you, it's a helping book a guest or something. But then I think more importantly is that support on the family side, like you were saying with the kids of knowing that, you know, like for me, for example, in May, I'm going bear hunting with, you know, John Dudley up in British Columbia and I'm going to be gone for a week. And, uh, you know, she's in full support of me going up there and and being away. And in in a way it's like, she could easily be somebody saying like, why are you going bear hunting? Like there's all this other stuff that we have to be doing with the business, but it's like, no, this is part of building the brand. It's brand relationships, you know, all that stuff. And then instead of being, um, you know, kind of opposing that she's just in full support, you know? And, uh, and, and it's cool because in the end, like she was in full support and she was a school teacher and she was still going to school every day when I had quit my job and I was here every day. 
And then we got to the point where then I was able to have her quit her job and come work for us. And, and now she's fully, uh, invested in everything we're doing and on meetings and stressed out and she's running her department. And it's actually kind of funny. We're two office doors apart. And like yesterday, I think I saw her twice, you know, <laughs> we're both so busy. It's crazy. So, but it's cool. It feels like we're building it together, you know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I, I agree. Um, you know, it, it's definitely one of those things where, and I kind of got that vibe from her. Cause I even asked while you were making, you were forging that jelly roll. Uh, I was like, I was like, I bet you're extremely just, um, what was it? Excited to watch him make another knife or forge something. And she's like, honestly, I don't really like this. I don't really watch him do it. I love that. He's passionate about it. Tell him to go do it. But, and I, I love that answer from her because she just, that's how she comes off. And then there was a post that you put up, I can't remember where you guys were traveling. Uh, but she was answering emails while you were driving. It was late at night. And, yeah. and so, and it was funny cause I, I actually sent an email and I didn't realize it was going to her while you guys were in Hawaii. I thought there was someone else answering email. She answered me back. I was like, well, Jess, stop. Like <laughs> not in Hawaii. Like you go and enjoy that. I'm not going to respond anymore until you get back. Cause it's, it really doesn't stop, but it was cool to see that like she's taken on that role so that you can, again, take all your efforts and, and focus on what you're really good at. And then again, you've built out that network of people and continue to grow. You know, you've got a marketing guy, you've got people that are putting together the the sheaths, you've got people that are, you know, wrapping the blades, you've got all of these things going on that you can focus on what you're really good at. And then you trust these people, you're able to let go of some of that control of being a business owner, uh, the knife maker, and let them do what they do really well. Um, I think that's awesome. No, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, we were coming home from a just a kid's basketball game, but that's how that that's how you have to do it as as well as we're doing as a company, as much as we're growing, like there's still that like, you, you know, we, you have to you have to put that time and that work in. And I remember my parents, my dad coming home from a long day of doing excavation work in the summer and my folks sitting up till 11 o'clock at night, you know, doing the billing, my dad explaining to my mom uh, you, you know, what he did that day and how much pipe he used and, you know, the, the amount of gravel that he hauled and that way she could put the bill together. And so it feels similar. Um, we're still having these super late nights and you would, you would actually be amazed you were just here, but like, I'll actually post some photos, but I was out late last night on my back. I tearing up a bunch of, of, uh, my, kind of circle area out here, my grass, cause we have to expand some parking to put more employee parking and stuff. But like, that's the stuff you do after work, right? Instead of hiring somebody, I'm renting an excavator next week and hauling my own gravel. And it's, it's weird because I don't know. I actually, actually kind of dread the day that our company would be so big that I'm not involved on a, on a micro level like that. Um, I like, I really enjoy that stuff. And I think it's just cause we did bl- grow up blue collar and, um, that's the stuff I love. I would rather hire more executives and keep like more down into the bottom side of my company if I can help it. But yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And then the other thing too, that I saw, and I, I love that you guys 
either you or Jess or Brandon, you guys post these little glimpses into things. I think Jess took a video of you after the weekend, everyone left and you were cleaning the floor, prepping it for Monday. Like that just, again, just speaks to, and you didn't ask her to, to take this video. Like it was very obvious you were tuned into what you were doing and she just wanted to post that clip because it really does show again, that you are passionate about this. You're not some dude in a suit and tie or someone that tucks himself away and doesn't do anything except for the one thing like you, you don't do what you don't expect from your, uh, your employees. Um, there's another company, you know, I obviously I work with first form and first form outdoors. Andy Frisell is that same way. You know, he, he's like everyone, like he fired the janitors. They don't have janitors at the building. And that building was as clean as probably the day that they opened when I went and saw headquarters. Um, all the weights were just lined up perfectly. 90 degrees from the floor was the numbers. Like everything was perfect. You use the bathroom, you, you wash your hands, you dry out the sink. Like it just blew me away how clean it was. And that's because he walks that lifestyle. He does those things. And so he expects the employees to do it, but he leads by example. You, you know, there's great companies like your company that are built on that. And I don't, I don't see you ever, uh, shifting, you know, and, and the no. fact that you're, you're so willing to be humble and still going clean and not have one of your kids just do it right. You're out yeah. there participating. It's amazing. He's, uh, he's somebody I'd actually like to meet. Um, I, I, I would love to chat with him. I mean, yes, he's got the podcast. That would be cool. But like more than anything, uh, he's actually somebody when back in 2020, when I started MKC, if you remember, that's when we were diving straight off into COVID, like head first, triple gainer right off the diving board into COVID. And I was starting this and, uh, I came home from winter strong that year of February and on the way out and on the way back, COVID was like being rumored. <clears throat> that was the first weekend in February. Uh, oh, Two weeks later, it was the only thing on TV 24 hours a day. And and I was coming back from that event, like ready to like go after it with my company, all full of excitement, energy and piss and vinegar. And uh, while I was in making prototypes, I had his podcast on. And I actually I actually didn't know anything about him or didn't know about Priscilla or First Form until late 2019, it was actually Brandon, my business partner, uh, that was like, Hey, you should listen to this guy. And so I started listening to him and then I was listening to him into 2020. And so the whole time I'm, I'm like, gosh, I'm working this job. I, I want to start this company, but shit, the world's about to fall apart. And everything he was talking about on his podcast back then was exactly how I felt about what was happening. And, you know, you can, I don't need to go down the rabbit hole, the vaccine and all that, that, that wasn't actually the topic back then. It was more like shutdowns, right? Shutting down your business mm -hmm. and shutting down your life. And he said something that really resonated back then was that there's going to be some people that, that like pull back and wait, take a wait and see approach. And they're going to be like, boy, I don't know. This is scary. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? And they're going to, they're going to pause on their dreams. And in very colorful language, he's like, there's going to be the rest of us that put the hammer down and go full steam ahead all the way through this deal with no looking back. And when this is all said and done, 
we're going to look back on that two-year time period and some of us are going to have won and others of us are going to have have regrets right and here we sit in the beginning of 23 and i didn't have a company the day COVID started quite frankly and you know i didn't have a website didn't have nothing and here and here we sit and so that's something that i want to get across to him that like he was a big uh it's not that I wasn't having those thoughts already. It's exactly how it felt. It was confirmation that somebody else that had succeeded thought the same thing. And that was pretty uh, emboldening and empowering and, and uh, you know, supported like my thoughts. And then, and I've seen, you know, them doing the Pledge of Allegiance before work and, and some of the way that, you know, with the building they built. And um, I, I really like, I think that's a model that uh, I've somewhat tried to emulate um, with what Andy's done. So it's, it's interesting you brought him up because he's actually somebody, uh, on the celebrity front, like quote unquote, I don't really give a shit about celebrities. I I've met some celebrities that I thought were kind of douchebags, quite frankly. And then I met other people <laughs> like you alluded to Derek Wolf, that was a star football player that just was super cool guy that came and stayed in my house and didn't ask for, you know, a bunch of celebrity treatment. And he just, he just flew in. I picked him up and he just hung out like, like you would. Right. But, but Andy's one of those quote unquote celebrities I actually would like to meet just to kind of talk about that stuff. Cause we're so aligned on that. And I think it's cool. Um, with his messaging and he ended up being right on pretty much everything he talked about, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, is one of those things where, and he, he talks a lot about it and it was funny cause my wife turned me onto his podcast and she's, um, she's definitely not as boisterous upfront like he is. And she doesn't really listen to the podcast very often, but back in when, when it was the MF CEO project before real AF is when she, she was like, Hey, you, you've got that entrepreneur mindset. This one I've heard lines up with it. And the first couple of podcasts, I was kind of like, this is really kind of rough. Like I don't mind swear words, but like, Oh man. And then, but once I got through like two episodes, yeah, I've, I've listened to every single episode that he's put out. And, and I agree where it was cool to hear him say, look, basically control the controllables. You can't control what the politicians are going to do. You can't control what anyone else is going to do about this. What are you going to do about it? You know, right. you want to sit back and the world's going to get time's never going to come back. Like that's one thing that's not renewable. Um, so what are you going to do with this time? Who knows if it's really going to be two weeks? Is it going to be six months? Is it going to be a year? Who knows? But I love the fact that the people that, like you said, put the hammer down and stuck to their beliefs, stuck to what they what they truly wanted to do. And you jumping in like saying, OK, well, everyone's shutting down. I'm going to build knives. I'm going to make this, you know, MKC thing, a, a, a thing. Now, uh, you doubled down and, and it's, it's so true that, you know, you look back and there's so many companies that didn't take advantage of that, that time to be able to connect with people. And that's really what, what you've done really well, what your company's done well. And the companies that succeeded through, obviously people suffered, unfortunately, but as far as business goes, people genuinely crave, um, connection. And that's something that through COVID, a lot of people were losing. There were people that weren't even able to watch or be there with their with their loved ones when people died in the hospital. Yeah. That level of, yeah. And that level of disconnection 
you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, people talk to me about, you know, how, how have you done so well, you know, with the podcast or social media? I'm like, honestly, I just answer every single message. I, I talk to people. I answer with video messages. I, you know, I may not know this person from Adam, but I, that's all people want. And that's what you guys going back to Montana knife company. That's what you've done is you've formed that connection. You've related to people. Uh, you, you make funny jokes like the man, that the broadhead thing, that was amazing. Like, I can't even <laughs> tell you how many people messaged me. They're like, man, this is going to be awesome. I was like, yeah, I got to see him in person up at the grand opening. This thing's going to be sweet, you know, and just not, not being able to tell people it was really funny, but you guys might actually have to do that now because there was so much demand for it. <laughs> I had a guy, I had a guy on the phone last night. He's kind of an older guy. Uh, that's not real social media savvy. And he, he, maybe he only saw like the first part of the video, but he was asking me last night if it was, he's like, is that, what's the deal with that broadhead? Like, is that something, is it really work or whatever? And I was like, dude, it's a, it was an April fool's joke. Uh, it is, it, it was, uh, that was a good one. And I, I got to give all the credit to Nosler on that one. John Nason and Nosler really, uh, spun that idea up and involved us. And it was, that was a blast, but, yeah. um, yeah. And I, and I agree my, it's funny back. Back then, my wife listened to a lot of Priscilla's and the same thing. She would listen to one and she'd come in and she'd like, and we, and we don't have the cleanest language around our house. Jess and I definitely cuss a little bit, but she always would come to me and be like, God, I wish she would just tone it back a little bit. <laughs> She's like, his language. She's like, I can't take it. But, you know, you could actually, you could have actually have the same feeling about Rogan a little bit on not net maybe language a little bit more of like some of the drug stuff or some of the whatever, yeah. right? Like when you're a pretty conservative person, I've never really done any drugs. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty conservative guy though. I'm not super judgmental on it. It's just not what I've done. Um, point is, is if you listen to the message and you get past that, boy, there's some really powerful messages in there, whether it's Joe Rogan, you know, with a guest or, or it's Andy. Um, you, you know, you, you can miss a really powerful but message by get caught in, caught up on a few words, um, you know, so and I'm always interested to see how people got successful and how they made it, um, especially in a blue collar way, you know, uh, uh, it, it, you know, back in 2020, I remember while I was working in that little tiny shop that you saw here, him talking about the days of first form in the warehouse sitting around with two guys or one guy. And like literally nothing to do and nobody coming in, you know, like I, I remember those and, um, you know, being somewhat friendly with Jared Connell um, and Jared being there in those early days and being offered a job and going to Andy, you know, he told me this and Andy said, hey, man, do what you got to do, but I can promise you this is going to be something. And he's like, I don't know why, but against all odds, like... <laughs> I didn't take the job and I just stuck with first form and he's like, had no real reason as to why other than I think he believed in Andy and believed in what they were doing. And, uh, and it worked out, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I yeah, look there, at that there's... with our young employees actually right now, we have a couple, uh, from day one, like Tristan here, I'm like, Hey man, you're going to have to eat a lot of shit for a while. Like, so a lot of, there's just a lot of repetitive jobs of making a knife over and over that need done. But like, I, I promise you, like you stick with us. And if you learn, um, you're going to move up, 
and, and there'll be a day down the road that you're going to be an executive at this company at a big outdoor brand. And you're going to look back and remember those days in that little shop. And obviously he's not to the executive spot yet, but he is getting <laughs> leadership things given to him. Mm-hmm. And we are following through on, you know, his pay scale going up and, and him being made responsible for more and more things. And, um, I think that's, I think that's critical. I, I, I have a strong belief in like raising people from inside and yes, we're for sure looking to hire some people. We need to install some knowledge in places immediately. Um, but ultimately culture wise, I believe in growing your employees from the ground up. Even my director of operations, I hired him away from Amazon. The first thing I made him do for the first two weeks is work in the shop under all the people that were going to report to him. <laughs> and he had to do what they told him to do. Um, he had to bead blast and he had to sand and grind and tie paracord. And and for the first two weeks, everybody that he was going to be the boss of was his boss. You know, do what they say, no questions asked, you know. Um, so... It gave him though a full understanding of one of the of the people and two of the process, you know. Exactly, exactly. I love that. That's awesome. That's such such a good way to to build the company. So, um, just kind of to, to wrap up here, uh, I know you've got a hard stop here in about ten minutes, but um, first off, you've finally convinced me that a fixed blade is a good carry option. So i I've been stuck on folders obviously since probably my cub scout days, right? They're easy to fit, but this little guy. Yeah. Blows me away. Really? Um, the fact how it, it can fit so deep in your pocket that that's the only thing that sticks up. Like you guys have, you, you smashed it out of the park with this one. Um, what, what would be, if you had to pick one kind of overall knife, what would be your favorite blade? Yeah. You know, well, first of all, to the everyday carry. Yeah. I mean, we obviously we have the goal of making a folding knife. It's a, it's a big process. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking over to my left here right now at the prototype, uh, um, (laughs) CAD, CAD drawing that's here to my left. So it's, it's happening. Um, but it's still going to be some time. Um, so folders are handy for sure. Uh, but to your point, that knife that you just held up is, it, it weighs less than most folders. Uh, it's smaller than a lot of folders. Um, uh, you know, it's quickly deployable. There, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are good about it. Um, and I'll never argue that there's no place for folders, but it definitely is a good way to go from a standpoint of like my favorite knife. I don't know if my answer will ever change on this. I, and I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing or what, but when I went to build this company, I could only really afford to cut enough blades to make one pattern. And I designed a knife that I thought could kind of cut across every potential thing that you needed to do in every situation. And it would work everywhere from, from somewhat tactical as far as just carrying it and having a blade, uh, self-defense wise to more so hunting, fishing, bird and trout, elk, deer, moose, didn't matter. Um, and that's our Blackfoot, uh, you know, that knife is, you know, probably a little bit too big to try to carry in your pocket. Um, but it's a knife that if it was on your belt every single day and you were, you were forced to wear it every single day, it wouldn't be cumbersome. It wouldn't be really in the way. Um, it would come in handy for, 
I don't care if you're opening boxes or if you're going on a moose hunt. Um, you can cape with it. You can skin with it. Um, it's got a hard handle on it. You know, it's, it, it can take some abuse. It's not a pry bar, but you can also do delicate work. So, uh, you know, that Blackfoot was made for a reason. It's called the Blackfoot because I wanted to do anything in the Blackfoot Valley. You know, I grew up in the Blackfoot River Valley, uh, fished on the Blackfoot River. It went right behind our house, about a half a mile. Um, that's the knife I could put on my pack or in my fishing kit or whatever and go do anything. Or my buddy could put it on his belt and go ride and check cows and and cut bale strings. Like it does everything, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, that was the first one I picked up was the the Blackfoot. Um, and I'm a sucker for that orange and black. Uh, yeah. and then I, I, I recently got the, uh, was the last, no, it was at the Western hunt expo, the, um, uh, the stonewall magna cut that steel. Like I love the black and orange look. That's all my blades are black and orange from you guys. Yeah. Um, but the, the magna cut steel, I can see that being an amazing steel to use. I have yet to put it in the field yet, but, uh, having that stainless and uh, just how it doesn't even really pick up, um, like thumbprints. It's crazy. Yeah. Super that's slick. a, that's a phenomenal steel. It really is. Uh, I think you're going to love it. Um, I'm working on a mini goat in that, but that's going to be later in the year. Um, well, I have, these are all blades. I have to go hand grind, uh, <laughs> whoops, dropped them on the computer. These are all mini goat blades that I, I got cut that I'm going to go grind by hand and test, hmm. uh, shop to test edge thickness, uh, spine thickness, you know, so that's kind of part of the process, right. Of, of taking a blade like this, that's a stainless mini goat and putting it through the paces before we put it in production. So that's still how we do things around here are, you know, we don't have a big team of engineers that that's me and my belt grinder and, uh, you know, put it through some abuse. That's awesome. So, well, sweet. Well, uh, you know, I guess we'll wrap it up there, guys. You know, his favorite Blackfoot blade, go pick one of those up guys. If you're out there listening, it's, uh, it's one of my favorites as well. I love the G 10 handles. Uh, it's just long enough that you can get some work done with it. Um, but it's also not a ginormous blade that you're going to be, you know, out there skinning like your bear tooth or, or any of the other bigger blades. So, um, go check them out guys. And then, uh, Josh, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, you know, Montana knife company is our, our main page. I have my own Instagram, Josh Smith knives. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm the only one checking my DMS and stuff there. I try to be fairly responsive on that. Um, uh, yeah, our Montana knife company website. Um, I do appreciate you having me on, man. Um, I apologize for kind of the heart out today. Uh, but more than anything, I'd love to, I'd love to come back on. I, I, I respect what you're doing, the way you're building your brand kind of from the, from the ground up, frankly, like we did our company. Um, yeah, I, I've been paying attention to, you know, some of your content, what you're doing. And, and I, I think with, it's interesting, I just kind of relaunched my podcast and, um, you know, the numbers right now aren't, aren't huge on it. Right. And there was some discussion here of like, why isn't it bigger? And how do, what, what do we need to do to make it bigger? And I'm like, Hey, I'm not worried about it. Like it's consistency. Right. And it's, it's about choosing the right people to be on it for the right reasons. Uh, letting the podcast, uh, breathe and do it, 
build the way it needs to build and no artificial uh, growth to it. We're not, we're not in the podcast business. So if it, the podcast, uh, we don't even have advertisers, so there's no way it's going to make money anyway. It's just something I enjoy doing because of the people side. And so um, I, I think what you're doing is really cool. And uh, I'd be happy to come back on if you want to have me down the road, invite me on anytime we can chat hunting or whatever. So I, I feel like I'm cutting you a little short today, but well, no, no knives and no hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well guys, you heard it here. Uh, Josh is just an outstanding human being. I'm going to leave, uh, your, all the links down below. You guys go check them out. Uh, whatever the recent drop is, this, this will be coming out in a couple of weeks. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some drop coming up cause you guys do great work with those, uh, check it out. And, uh, hope you guys have an amazing rest of your weekend. And of course, get out live your life and love it. All right. Hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with Josh. Guys, again, I can't say it enough. He's an amazing individual that had a vision at a very young age. And as that vision progressed, he kept working for it. He has been through so many trials, has overcome them. His family has been there. His kids have been outstanding. His wife, Jess, is an amazing individual. And then his support system, because people, again, will come if they see you putting in the work to an amazing vision like Josh has. Guys, just a great individual right here. So definitely go check out uh, Josh's work over on his page on Instagram. I'll leave the link down below. Of course, Montana Knife Company as well. Go check that out. If you haven't picked up one of their blades, I highly recommend it, guys. Just a great individual. Great group of people. And with that being said, hope you have an amazing rest of your weekend. Come join us over at Redbeard's Fit Crew and First Form Outdoors Facebook groups. Again, if you don't have a Facebook shoot me a message or send me an email. I'd love to have you in on our weekly calls over in both of those groups so that you can find individuals that are like-minded and want to improve themselves on a daily basis. We're currently doing in Redbeard's Fit Crew. We've got a challenge going on. It's a free challenge. Just make it outdoors. May, M-A-Y, make it outdoors. Play on words there. But I want you guys to be a part of that. Again, it's a free challenge. I want you guys to get in on it. Let's get outside as much as possible. May is one of my favorite months. Uh, not to say only because it's my birthday month, but there's a reason why I was born in May, I believe, because it's just, I love the spring. I love the fall, those transition seasons. And right now we're getting a lot of, a lot of sun, a lot of growth in the wildlife and seeing green again, finally, after all the snow that we've gotten here in Utah. So let's get outside as much as possible. Come join us in the Redbeards Fit crew over there to the Make It Outdoors Challenge. With that being said, guys, have an amazing rest of your weekend. And of course, get out, live your life, and love it.